0: Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. If you want to look in your Bibles or look up on the screen, I'd like you to look at Psalm 126 this morning. Psalm 126, which is a psalm that helps us think about the message of joy. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. And those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Whether we believe it or not, because sometimes it's hard to believe, that God loves for his people to experience joy. He loves to see gladness, and He loves to hear shouts of joy coming from our lips. He loves to hear the sound of laughter that comes from the kids, and the older we get, He really loves the sound of laughter that comes from adults, who sometimes, because of our life's pressures and the stuff that we go through, we lose our ability to have joy. Now, this morning, I want to encourage all of us to be free to laugh and enjoy this day as much as possible. I want it to be deep-seated joy, that, the kind of joy that comes from deep, deep down. Not just a joy that's like a chuckle under your breath and you go... <laughs> now, the only person in the room that's given permission not to laugh hard today is is mark because mark had an me this week and thank you mark for being here this morning here. but i gave him permission not to laugh hard thank you. <laughs> and if you've been through surgery you know what that's like but this is the kind of joy and let me just kind of illustrate it this way i thought of it this last last night uh, as most of you know Stephanie and Stephen got engaged last week. And so, yeah, there we go. So let's get some joy in the room, all right? And so uh, we we had the fun yesterday of picking out a place, a venue where the wedding is uh, going to be and where the reception is going to be and all. And and so we were together with his parents last night. And I thought of this as his his mom was, we were having dinner, and then at one point, his mom was trying to describe how she felt. She said, I don't know what it is. She said, I'm not anxious, but I just feel like, I just feel like. I said, you feel a lot of joy, don't you? She goes, yeah, I just, I don't know how to, if I can contain it. And she's going to have to contain it till November the 14th. But somehow or another, that's what we're talking about. It's that joy that comes from deep inside that's influenced by circumstances, but it's also because you know that God is doing what He always does. Coming through with His promises and coming through to help us in situations. She told us how since Stephen, you know, from the time Stephen was born, like a lot of us, as parents, she prayed for Stephen to find his life's mate. I was thinking this week with great joy about the fact that, you know, we we came here, Kathy and I came here, and Stephanie at the time had made a decision to, to not come with us, and she stayed in Michigan. But within a couple of years, it seemed like it was right for her to come. And just think about the joy that we can have over God's providence and God's timing, because if she had not come, and she was looking for someone she probably wouldn't have been looking for someone on Long Island if she lived in Grand, Rap- Grand Rapids, Michigan. But through God's providence and through His direction, they're going to be able, they're already experiencing and will continue experiencing this deep seated joy that's described that we all are reminded of as we look again at the Christmas story. The thing, though, that is that true shouts of joy are almost always preceded by seasons of trouble and sometimes mystery and even deep trial. And sometimes sometimes this joy is produced in seasons that tap into the joy of heaven that transcends anything that we're facing on earth because even even in the midst of difficulty, we still have joy when it doesn't even make sense because it's characteristic of our Christian journey. You realize joy is like It's the second in Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy was one of the first signs of the Gospel. In the Gospel of John, it was the first sign of Jesus' ministry to people when He was at a wedding feast. And His mother said, Would you turn this water into wine so that people can continue to enjoy the party that we're having? And because of that miracle, even greater joy came to the people. And there's great news in this, this psalm because the joy that's defined is, by, is, is not defined by the suffering as the video describes that we just watched, but it's defined, defined by future destiny. It's because we're seeing something out into the future and we know things are going to change. And we also know that it's an attitude. An attitude that we choose, not because of our circumstances, but we choose it in the midst of our circumstances with a hope with a hope that God's going to restore the things that we may be losing in the midst of the difficulties we're going through. So I want us to take a look at this psalm and notice a few things. First of all, I want you to notice the pattern of God's, experience, God's people experiencing the deliverance of the Lord. If you take some time when you go home today, if you look at some from Psalm 120, I think it is, to Psalm 132, That series of psalms is called the Song of Ascents. It's a series of psalms that the the Jewish people would sing as they were going up to Mount Zion and rejoicing because they'd been delivered from captivity. So Psalm 126, if in your Bibles you'll see, normally in italics, the phrase Song of Ascents. And it's one right in the middle of this list of psalms and songs that they would sing with rejoicing. And listen to some of the themes My help comes from the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our eyes look to the Lord our God. The Lord surrounds His people. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. I have calmed and quieted my soul. The Lord has chosen Zion. He's chosen a place for His people. And because of all of that, I can be glad. Someone has said that joy is not a requirement of Christian discipleship it's a consequence of Christian discipleship it, it's not what we have to it's not what we have to acquire in order to experience life in Christ it's what comes to us when we're walking in the way of faith and obedience Eugene Peterson in his book about the song of a in which Psalm 126 is found has has this great title it's a long obedience in the same direction and the thing that helps us go keep going and continue to be obedient and keep going in the same direction is this destiny towards joy the other thing we find in these psalms is that the lord is the source of our true joy if you could bring the psalm back up again up on the screen steph if you look at, verse, at the end of verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3, it says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, our joy is totally dependent on the Lord. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And the joy that's described in this psalm and throughout God's Word is the result of an individual or a people looking to God as the source of ultimate joy. The ultimate source of joy, especially in seasons of pain and confusion. And if you remember, any time you see repetition in the Bible like holy, 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 or something like this that says the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. In other words, I can't describe it. So let me just keep repeating it over and over again. Joy, 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 joy until everybody in the room is infected with the spirit of joy that comes. It's a repetition of unquenchable joy. And this joy is described in the Scriptures as our strength. It's a supernatural joy that overshadows the past and informs our future. It says in this passage, we were like those who dream. This isn't a dream like a nightmare this is a dream in the middle of the nightmare where all of a sudden there's a party going on and there's happiness and there's celebration and there's freedom and there's the declaration they keep hearing that the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. It's a description of a people that have been set free from captivity. And as believers, we are a people that have been set free from captivity and God he wants us to experience his true freedom. But the challenge is, and maybe it's the challenge that some of us are facing this morning that we have to deal with every day. Some of us are still letting ourselves be captive to the things that hold us back. When everybody else in the room is joyful, you're the one that brings the temperature of joy down. And I want to say this morning, if that's me, if that's you, the Lord wants us free of that kind of stuff. That's what the Lord wants to remind us of as we go into this Christmas time. This is a time to reflect, to be deeply grateful. But as we reflect and we're grateful, we let the Lord's joy begin to come up from inside of us so that we become infectious to the people around us. You know, it's interesting, I was reading this last week, how difficult it is for prisoners who have been incarcerated for a long time, especially those that have been in solitary confinement, when they finally get released, they have a really difficult time adjusting to life. And when we have gone through seasons of difficulty where we are literally like emotionally incarcerated, or we're still attached to the problems of our family of origin, and as a counselor, I see this happening all the time. People have such a hard time breaking the grip of what's holding them back from true joy. But when people break that grip, there is nothing like it when they experience joy for the very first time. I was thinking about this too. You may have known someone. You may have known someone that adopted, you know those orphan kids from the, that they would find in orphanages in Romania and so on when the Iron Curtain came down? and these kids that would be abandoned in orphanages and never have known a mother or father. And they come to America and and I try, I, t- I spent time counseling with different families that would have these kids that could never, never experience connection because they could not e- break the grip of rejection and abandonment that they experienced. How sad that would be if we lived continued to live life in the grip of our captivity when god through his son has provided for us the ability to find freedom in the midst of all of that freedom from the tyrant's hand you know think about it the christ child comes the shepherds the shepherd's joy is expressed and they were the ones that had been dreaming and i think as they walked into that manger that that night I think the reality is they probably were thinking to themselves, I've seen this somewhere before. I wonder where I've seen this. And I think, this is my theory, I think God gave them prophetic dreams and that they saw things that were fulfilled the night they walked into that manger or into that stall where Jesus was. And that's why their hearts were so filled with joy because it was a fulfillment of everything they had dreamed for. And that's what gives us the hope to face the trials and the difficulties. That's what gives us the hope as the video we watched talks about where Paul, even though the church was under the thumb of the Roman Empire, even though God's people has always experienced being under the thumb of a tyrant, it's God's people that somehow find joy. More joy than everybody else in the midst of that time. How is it that some of our ancestors who were martyred in such um, in such cruel and insidious ways, were able to still be singing words of praise as they were being burned at the stake or boiled in oil. But still, words of joy were coming out of their mouth. It's because they got a hold of this deep-seated joy. It's the joy that that we can that helps us embrace trials and temptations. It's the joy that helps us to fight off what Revelation 12 talks about is the accuser of the brethren who says, no, nah, you can't have joy. You can't have joy. You don't deserve joy. You've got shame. You've got a family that's got all these problems. And we can just cast all of it off and say it doesn't matter. Because Jesus sent His Son. So I can be free of all those things. The other thing that we learn from this psalm is the supernatural joy is the joy of a harvest verse 4 through 6 says restore our fortunes in verse 6 it says or it's verse 5 it says those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy he who goes out weeping bearing the seed for sowing shall come back with shouts of joy there's the picture of sowing and reaping sowing the difficulty sowing the trials sowing the struggles with the hope that what I'm sowing is going to come back with a kernel of joy that's in the middle of that trial. It's interesting, if you read through this psalm, the phrase shouts of joy is repeated three times. And in the kernel of every trial, and in the seed of every difficulty, I believe that in the middle of that, for God's people, and for anybody that wants to embrace it, I believe there's God's joy that we can bear in the midst of the troubles. That's the joy of harvest. It's after a season of blood, sweat, and tears. It's, it's what begins to grow and answers the question, what's the use of going on? And I start seeing this little plant bloom and I go, oh, that's what gives me the, that's what gives me the hope to go on. That's what makes sense out of all of this. There's a book, a great book by T.D. Jakes that I've been reading called Crushed. And in that book, Pastor T.D. Jakes tells the story of when his 13-year-old daughter came to him, to him and he and his wife, to let them know that at 13 years old, she she had to tell them that she was pregnant. And he talks in the book about how crushed he was and how many tears he shed and how many tears his daughter and his wife shed as they embraced the challenge that that was going to bring to their family. But then later in the book, he shares how beautiful his adult daughter now is, and her husband, who's a pastor, the father of the little boy that was born, who he says is my grandson, who's my pride and greatest joy. But it came through seasons of tears and difficulty. But he sowed those tears, knowing that God can turn those things around. And he says, I have been escorted to the breaking points of my life many times before. And what added to my confusion was the realization that the most grievous points of my journey followed closely behind moments of extraordinary joy. A harvest is a sign of God's working. And the joy of the harvest occurs when we embrace testing an investment that costs us something. And so the pressing question that we're dealing with this morning as we enter into the last days of the celebration of this Christmas season is what price are we willing to pay for all that God wants to do through us and in us so that we can have greater love and greater hope and greater peace and greater joy. And that's what Jesus discussed with the disciples when He talked about pruning that you're going to have to get crushed. You're going to have to get pruned. You're going to need to go through these times. But, but don't despair because on the other end of it is always joy. Enduring the cross came, it says in Hebrews, because of the joy that was set before Him. Enduring the pain of the cross was because of joy that He saw. It's the kind of joy that cannot be re- experienced in reverse order. You don't get the joy first always and then the trials. It's like the trials come and then on the other side of it is this deep-seated, bubbling joy that, ri- that raises up to help, us, to help us get perspective. It's reaping the labor of harvest. Eugene Peterson says, all suffering, all pain, all emptiness, all disappointment is seed. Sow it in God and He will finally bring a crop of joy from it. So I want to ask you to do something this morning with your disappointments. Just take a moment. I'm just gonna be quiet for 30 seconds in just a little bit here. And I'm gonna give you 30 seconds and I want you to think about every disappointment that you've had this year. It may take more than 30 seconds, but I'm just gonna give you 30 seconds. And I'm gonna ask you to take all of those disappointments in a moment of quietness and reflection Say, Lord, I'm planting these seeds of disappointment and I ask you to turn them into heavenly joy. So just take a moment, 30 seconds. The scripture says that after the shepherds came that Mary pondered all the things that they said. And I can imagine this as a father but I can't imagine it as some of you that are moms. What it must have been like for her to have those seasons where she held that little boy and the first time he Cooed or, is that the right word for it? Or smiled? Or the first time, you know how you see those little videos, the videos of the little, a little boy or girl laughing with that belly laughter? So many times Mary would have had those times. The first time he walked. And she and Joseph watching him teetering through, the, through his, Joseph's shop. Or the, the times where Joseph was beginning to train Jesus to be a carpenter. And she'd stand, I'm sure, at times and look in and watch his earthly father Joseph and Joseph wor- and, and Jesus working together as, as a father and son. And then even though they were confused because he was, they couldn't find him when he was talking to the priest in the temple, and the priests were like, this, this young 12-year-old has such wisdom and authority that we, we can't even imagine. And probably as a mom, she's going, that's, that's my son. With great joy. And she watches as he grows, and then he enters into that time of ministry as a young adult man, 30 years old. And he goes into that time of ministry And the bells are heard on Christmas Day. (laughs) And he goes into that time of ministry and the joy that she must have experienced when she watched the blind man see and the lame man walk and the person free of a demon. But then she would hear the Pharisees threatening to walk him over a cliff. And she would watch different disciples turn their backs on him. And imagine what it was like for her when she realized that one of His disciples, Judas, had betrayed Him. And then she would have heard, or maybe she was standing there when Peter denied Him. And all of a sudden, the joy is gone. The joy disappears, and then imagine what it was like, what happened to her joy, when she was knelt at the cross, and His blood was staining the cross, and drips of blood were hitting the ground. Just imagine what was happening to her joy. Maybe the words of Zechariah were ringing in her ears and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce our own soul also so that that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Because she sowed in those moments of joy for you and me and mothered that little boy and released him to his call and his purpose and his destiny for you and me. That's why, that's why we get to experience great joy. She had the most difficult experience of any mother letting their child go to do what God's called them to do. So where do we find our sense, our source of restoration? We find it from what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12. When Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was before him, the writer of Hebrews says, we just look to him. We look to him like Mary did. Because after the cross, we all know that Mary was with all the other disciples. And just imagine the joy of that time as they went through the mystery and the perplexity of, wait, you were dead, but now you're alive. Mary Magdalene comes back from the tomb and she says, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. And imagine Mary the mother of Jesus at that moment filled with a mixture of confusion, but in the middle of all that such deep, deep joy that my son Jesus is alive. And He did what He came to do. And I got to be a part of it. And that's what the Lord wants for all of us. All the things and the struggles and the trials that we embrace, He wants us to be able to say, look, those things you were going through were never wasted. They were never wasted because they always brought great joy to me. As Mary brought great joy through her son Jesus the Son of the Heavenly Father. Christmas is a reminder for us to rejoice. But more than that, it's an opportunity to reinforce and renew our faith with a declaration of joy. I have seen the Lord, and He has done great things for us. He has done great things for us. So, I want to end with this, these thoughts Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. Verse 6 says, Then I heard what seemed the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made, himself re- made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. So in this Christmas season, I encourage all of us to just put on His robes of righteousness again. C.D. Jakes also says, have confidence in God's ability to do the impossible and to surprise you with His joy and comfort you with peace and fulfill you with His purpose. And let the reality of how much Christ loves you and the Father loves you, give you great hope once again in this Christmas season. And I want you to take these moments to reflect on Mary's response to God's plans for her and ask ask God to help you to walk through whatever He's asking you to walk through, to walk through this life with the same sort of faith-filled obedience and joy. You are free. You're not confined or held down by your circumstances in order to experience joy. Because you and I, because of what Jesus did and the fact that Jesus came and we celebrate Christmas Day, because of all of that, you and I get to experience joy in the midst of any of our circumstances. There's nothing circumstances people or the enemy can do to take our joy away. And that's probably one of the greatest pieces of news about Christmas. Would you stand with me? We're going to end our service this morning as we've done traditionally by taking our candles and lighting candles of love, peace, hope, and joy with one another. The kids are going to come and join us And as we do that, we're going to sing reflectively on silent night. Because it is a holy time for us. But at the same time, we go from a sense of reflection and a great sense of God's holiness reflected in His Son, and we realize and remember that it gives us great joy So we're not going to end with silent night. We're going to end with joy to the world. But I want you to keep your candles lit through the whole time. Don't blow them out at the end of silent night. Let's keep the candles lit and be acknowledging the great joy that God has given to all of us. Here they come. We was just luck, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Peace beyond all of you.